0: If you heard last week's show, you will have heard me speaking to Joel Morris about the Phantom Raspberry Blower of Old London Town. And we focused pretty much on discussing the the, the, the two TV iterations of the Phantom Raspberry Blower, the, the 1971 Ronnie Barker one-off 30-minute play, and of course the 1976 Two Ronnies serialization. And during the course of my research prior to my conversation with, with Joel, uh, I contacted Dirk Mags because Dirk had been the director of a, a stage production of the Phantom Raspberry Blower uh, about six or seven years ago. And uh, I said to Dirk, look, you know, is there anything you can share with me, any sort of background information about the staging of the play? Uh, is there any sort of information, anything you can give me? And Dirk said, look, he said, look, the, I can do better than that. Why don't I put you in contact with the guy who was behind it all, Lee Moon. Uh, Lee is an actor, writer, director, and Dirk put us in contact. And very quickly, uh, Lee and I had a conversation. And it was only going to be maybe initially a 15, 20-minute chat. And it actually, uh, well, it it extended, shall we say. And we had a really, really interesting conversation about um, how Lee put the show together, all the research that he undertook in terms of how he got the script together, how he sort of tweaked it and changed it and adapted it. Uh, anyway, all that and more is in the show. I hope you enjoy it.
1: I never know where I sit in the size of fandom with Spike because uh, then, you know, I think, oh, yeah, I know this and I know that. And then somebody else comes along and I go, oh, blimey, they know those. Uh, so I, <laughs> I just feel like I've invaded the uh, the, the cult dump by the back door, and that's why I said to you on my email, you know, my first in with Spike was the Q series um, when I was at school, Uh, and of course, then that's when I found out about The Goons, and I'd never really listened to The Goons until much, much later on. Um, In fact, if I'm honest, I think it was when I auditioned for one of the other stage plays, and they wanted myself potentially as an understudy to, pl- to play Spike. Yeah, and um, so I did. I did research there, and uh, a long, long story short, it, it was a it was a big ask, massive, because the character that they had, you know, the Spike character was in bed, but he's never off stage. Plus, they wanted me to understudy Sellers as well. Okay. And uh, a guy I knew at the time, he used to do Peter Sellers sort of impressions and uh, what have you. And, and he was also asked about the auditions. Um, to who, be who was
0: that? That
1: was a guy called Clive Greenwood. Okay. Um, but if you want somebody who's really done loads of Sellers stuff, David, who was in Phantom uh, Raspberry Blower, I mean, he's played Sellers on stage. I mean, he knows tons and has met some of uh, Sellers' family. So he... What was be-
0: his, Sorry, what was his name? Because you broke up. David
1: Boyle. It. So he David was Boyle. also... Right. He was
0: so so, how did the whole idea of staging the Phantom Head... I was going to say the Phantom Head... I always say the Phantom <laughs> Head Shaver. Because, yes, oh, yes because of course, yes. yes. How, did the, yeah. how, how did the idea of the, uh, the stage production of... Phantom Raspberry Blower come about.
1: Okay, Um, now this is an idea that I've had in my head for a very long time. So we put it on in 2015 and I I have to say, it was pretty quick from um, talking to David and then me sitting and watching and writing down, because there's no script to be had unless you're buying one on auction. Yeah. and I can get into that later because there's several versions. Um, and so I, I, I always wanted to do it. I always wanted to do it, and I approached Norma probably um, so 2015. We did the actual show. I approached Norma. I think oh 2008. I can tell you 2008. That That's what it was. And nothing really came of it. Um I quite rightly she was very protective of Spike's work. And um it just I thought oh, that's a shame. It's just I think I got she had a gatekeeper, so that she had a, a brilliant assistant at the time It was just fending things off. And you know, I'm a nobody, so uh quite quite right. I can understand that. And then um I met David and we were chatting and that's uh, we were just talking about the goons, and I, I said to him about the audition that I'd had and um, it, how it was quite close to me getting the understudy, and in the you know, we were trying to do something with it. And then because I knew he was in cellars, I said, Oh, yeah, you know, all, all we needed was a cecum, and we could we could probably put something on, and um, he knew somebody. The the guy, I can't remember the guy's name, but it, it, he wasn't in the final production then because he couldn't make it. So I said, do you know, I've always wanted to do the Phantom Raspberry Blower. And um, I said, but I don't know how much of it is Spike and I don't know how much of it is Ronnie Barker. Um, and it was always a bit of an unknown quantity about that. And people knew that it was written by Spike, but they also knew uh, about Barker, I found out loads of info which I can I can t- talk to you later because there's a lot. Uh, and so David said, "Well, I know a producer," and I asked, and he's a he's a Goon's fan. And I went, "Well, okay, right, well, um, yeah, ask." One thing led to another, and October uh, 2015, we did three nights at the Victoria Theatre. And uh, it went down a storm. In mm-hmm. fact, my dad, who's not a theater goer, um, said that's the best thing I've ever seen. It was very generous of him, but he absolutely loved it. And he got yeah. to meet one of our Phantoms, John Chalice, who he's a huge fan of. So that made my dad today. So that was lovely to get that. So that's how that, it was. it was a long time coming as these things are, and then just meeting Like-minded people who go, "Wow, yeah, we could. Let's do that. I know this." Uh, So that's how that—that's how that happened.
2: All right, Bowles, bring in the duchess. Yes, sir. That's the man. No, no, no. I am the inspector. You've only got these to choose from. It's all very difficult. Very difficult. They all look so much alike. I can't... But if I could hear the noise again... Sergeant, th- the noise test. Number one. No, no, nothing. Number two. No. Number 3 I'm not sure. Number three, once more. No. <laughs> Number four. Oh, dear,
0: oh, dear. As a teenager, you must have seen the two Ronnies mm. take on it. Did you see the 1971 six I did. with Bark? Yes, you did, right. I did. Yeah. Um,
1: and that was strange because while watching the two Ronnies, I thought, oh, this has been on before.
2: Right. And
1: yeah. uh I couldn't work out why I, how come I'd seen it um but yes i had i had seen the and, and in fact in 2008 roundabout there that I bought the six dates of Barker to have a look at it uh so I got that first because obviously then the the two Ronnies DVD came out later um and so what I what I did is I merged bits of the script, um, and I mean, Spike changed some names. Uh, I think Ronnie changed some names as well. And then I started to do a wee bit of research. And I was lucky enough to go down at Ormhouse. Norma allowed me to see um, a very early draft of The Phantom Raspberry Blower set for television a one-off special for uh, a goons reunion
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah and because sellers went off to hollywood then that's how it all collapsed and it was uh and that's how barker found it as you know sitting on the shelf and, well, and can, I, do yeah, it.
0: can i ask you about that a little yeah. bit? i mean you may not know but <clears throat> um that's what intrigues me because i there's very little other than what you've said there in terms of it was written for the goons as a sort of a reunion one-off show and sellers had had filming commitments. So it never happened. Mm. That's, that's all I can find about that. Is there, did you, is there anything more? Was it, was it, for example, do you know if it was planned as the first of, of a number, you know, if it was successful, did spike have any intention of writing others or is there anything that you found out? from what i from what i gathered from that little snippets that norma said i think it was just a
1: one-off sellers was missing the camaraderie and um it was from that that spike um he may have already had the the idea to do this but it was from that that Spike went right okay and let's get the band back together for a one-off. Because it was, I don't think Sellers, if I remember correctly now, I don't think Sellers was having a particularly
0: brilliant time. um, Well, yeah, if Spike wrote this around about late 60s, I'm guessing, 68? I think it, uh, yeah, I think it was 68, 69, yeah. Okay, so it was around that time that Sellers started... Appearing in a chain of flops, you know, the films just weren't doing anything, most of them, anyway. Yeah, and also, and also, he was in a pretty loveless marriage with uh Miranda Quarry, uh, and, that, and that was a bit of a disaster, yeah. And I and I know that it, at that time he was he was being very introspective and uh and nostalgic, I guess. And also, in '68, they'd got back together to do that Thames TV Tales of Men shirts show don't know if you ever saw that which had john cleese as the announcer yes
1: and then you can get a snippet of it it's uh on youtube black and
0: white um yes yeah yeah Uh, so so possibly around this time you know sellers has done that with with harry and spike and he's he's feeling a little bit uh, vulnerable or a bit low or whatever and he's thinking actually you know what i'd love to like you say, get the band back together. And Spike's got the script, or he writes the script. And do do you know anything? Did Norma say was it? Were, were they going to be playing new characters, or were they going to be reprising Goon Show characters at all? No, it this? was all new.
1: It, I've right. seen I've seen the, one of the original scripts. Yeah. Um. And there's no goon, no okay. goon characters at all. Okay. And I've seen a couple of pages of the television. Um, but I mean, there are so many versions of Phantom Raspberry Blow you wouldn't believe. Um, I mean, why just is, talk- why is that? I think, in, in all honesty, there's um, a draft that Spike wrote just as something you know, he, it's just coming out of his fingers and he's just writing yeah. it. Yeah, so <clears throat> excuse me, I've seen um, bits of a uh, a handwritten um and there have been several that have been up for auction i even contacted the auction house to ask because it went for something like a hundred and something pounds unbelievable oh my god missed it by about a year and a half um yeah uh, because i wanted to have a lot in order to use as much info as possible in it so it was all new characters and then i think once there was the chat with sellers, that's when it became more of a solidified special by they were going to get one of the the names escaping at the moment. Oh, so, Peter Eaton was it? The Peter producer. Eaton exactly. yeah. That's mm. it. Mm. So it was all it was all going ahead and then sellers becomes Mr. Hollywood. So it was new characters. Wow! See, so yes. you,
0: you say that, Mr. Hollywood. I mean, he obviously he'd, he'd made Hollywood films before this period, but um, maybe I th- again, if only we knew the, the exact dates here. But he he was making films around this period, like "There's a Girl in My Soup," yes, which which did okay, which did pretty well at the box office. So maybe he's maybe he was had commitments for to do that. And when was the Pink Panther? Not not the not the first one. Oh, well, they, the, return, the return of that was um, seventy-five. That yeah, was that was well true. after, yeah. yeah. So, so I know the story is like you're saying, I'm sure it's true that he had filming commitments, but he wasn't making very good films around this time.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and I, I, it's it's funny, but that's there's a quote. Where have I seen that quote? There's a quote where Milligan said and. Um, sellers buggered off to hollywood so that put a cap on that um yeah now i i don't know whether that's one of spikes quotes or whether it's from the barker book i'm not sure it's you know it's funny i i read so much and it I, it all goes in and then and then you think now oh, what is it I and mean, you know i'm struggling to to remember what's well, don't what's sort of seeped in it i've time.
0: just found actually because i've got oh, a, I've, I've, I've got um a number of uh Of documents that I unearthed shall we say (laughs) um, which pertain to the phantom raspberry blower and there's a there's a reproduction of the handwritten script or page of the handwritten script that Spike did Mm -hmm. and and it's subtitled the extraordinary foul and noisome iconoclast of old London town that's right yeah Um, and it says here a one-hour colour TV special starring Peter Sellers as Inspector Alexander of Scotland Yard yeah. in the Victorian mystery melodrama The Phantom Raspberry Blower of Fleet Street or the extraordinary foul, noisome and naughty iconoclast of Old London Town.
1: That's it. Um, That's the, yeah.
0: And it goes on to say Milligan also wrote that he would appear as the Phantom and that Seacombe would appear as Bowles. Yeah. Which obviously those characters uh, appear in um, Six Dates with Barker and the Two Runnies.
1: Yeah, and and um, Inspector Alexander, um, that that yeah, that name carried over until the two Ronnies, and then <coughs> excuse me, the name is changed. I think oh yes, just for a gag, um, just for one one gag on mm. that. Um, uh, but yeah, it, and, and it's either that or another document that I've seen that says ending to. Yet be written or defined, because they hadn't got an ending for it. Right. So I don't know if it's on that document.
0: No, the, that's all that that that, that there is uh, about the goons' involvement or potential involvement. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of. A, I mean, you've filled in a lot there, though. I mean, it's that's that's really interesting, and and it would have been fascinating if it had gone ahead. Oh and, yeah. And you think because obviously, so so they worked together in '68 for the Thames TV show. And then we don't see them again together until seventy two, the last goon show of all. Yeah, um, which which ignites mild goon mania, and it means that the, the goons are bankable again, and there's a res- resurgence of interest, and things like the goon show scripts books come come out, and LPs start coming out from the BBC, and they start repeating them more, and 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 that led to Parkinson meets the goons, and a, a lot more photo opportunities with Sami yes. Sika and Milligan. But but I wonder if for argument's sake 1969 1970 the three of them had got together and and filmed a half hour tv special for christmas or something of the phantom raspberry blower whether you know yes that might have been successful and triggered uh, a series almost like the ripping yarns series in terms yeah. of these you know not not a, not a continuing narrative about the phantom raspberry blower but you know individual half hour stories about some character from history or whatever it may be starring the three of them
1: yeah i mean i I, it's it's interesting to to suppose isn't it um you know it's almost like testing the water Mm. of a potential series and um you know i think i think it would have worked i think it would have worked well because they would have done something different interestingly they i love the fact that it says made made for color. that's the other odd thing is uh you've got the our version yeah you've got the 30 minutes version, which Barker did. Yeah. Then you've got the, and I did I think, I think it's probably about 70 minutes. I can't remember. It's, um, it's, it, it's the, the, the two Ronnies.
0: The, the two Ronnies in, in its entirety, the serial, it runs to um, about an hour and five minutes, something like that. Oh,
1: right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, that was a good, good dredging yeah.
0: up of memory there. <laughs> um,
1: but interestingly, there's swathes of that, that is written uh, by Barker. And uh, there are also bits in it that don't make the half hour, but is Spike, because of, you know, looking up one of the scripts, I go, oh, right, that's that's in there. Hmm. Um, so it's it, it's very interesting that <laughs> not only did Spike write uh several versions of it but there are several versions that were shown on the television that could have been on the television and then of course um when i did my stage adaptation i then had to think about right that's that's what i want uh that's going to work and i i wrote new material for it um when we did it on stage and we can talk about this in more detail, you know, another time. But when we did the stage, it was set like a radio um, show. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what I've done now is now I've I've removed that radio show, and and it's it's become something else. Should it go on again, to make it more like a if Spike was doing it via. a, television
0: theatre oh okay yeah yeah yeah
1: and I've I what I've done in that version is I have um a lot of the Barker stuff has in fact if I'm honest all of the Barker stuff has gone um and I've I decided to it was something that Dirk said actually um we were chatting at the time and he, he was talking about source material and look at Spike and and uh so we were chatting about spike and his works and actually i thought you know what i'm going to go back to what i knew with spike visually um and uh look at the cue stuff how did he use props what odd props did he use so that becomes because with the obviously with the goons there's a lot of sound effects that are the sound is another character i always saw that as Yes, yeah, she got the sound effects and, you know, there's a that classic story that Spike tells about. Uh, he, he One of his stage directions, it sounds like, you know, um, such a character is being hit over the head with a, a sock full of custard. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound like it. So you get a sock full of custard. So he, he was very much writing the stage movements, a stage sound effects rather, as another character in its own right and and that's the beauty of the goons is that my goodness me they push that Um, and so what I did I thought right Q okay uh, if it's not as a radio let's make it visual what did Spike do with his visuals and so I went back to the Q series Um, as I say took out the Barker stuff and what I also did I nicked Spike's gags from other material to put into the Phantom Rasmus world. So um, there are things in there that, you know, it's because Spike also used to repeat certain gags because they were popular, you know, all the the time. Yeah, totally. (laughs) If they were, bomb them in. So that's what I did. So I really soaked myself into it to to think, okay, if if it could go on stage, you know, and I'm not obviously I'm not not trying to big myself up at all on this, but I I did think what would Spike do? Can I do that? You know how how can we get his his uniqueness visually on stage? Because he did move on, he did move on to be more visual, and and you know Pythons you know were hugely influenced not only by his by the Goons but also by the Q series, you know. So um, I suppose that's where it came from with me. Um, because I'd seen the the Q series and that's the sort of mayhem that I wanted.
2: Until
0: we meet another Hello. My name is Alan Clear. I heard a lovely joke today.
1: (laughs) I've forgotten it.
2: Well, when
0: I think of the Q series, and I'm sure you're like me, you've got the the complete Q on DVD, have you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it it's great. It doesn't do to binge watch it though. I find no, <laughs> because, no. You have
1: to watch it sparingly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. But when I think of the Q series, I think of um individual sketches, or I think outsized fake noses. Yes. And tags on everything hanging off. Well, you know?
1: actually, it's really interesting you say that. And then, and then of course the sticky where you cut yourself shaving, and he would stick yeah stick a blob of. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um. Now the I don't know if you know but the tags are costume tag tags. So what happened was that the BBC would put a tag on the costume and it would say spike for scene three. Uh, And they would put them on, and those are the tags that the costume people will put on. So when they went to grab their costumes, they knew whose coat it was. And uh, and that just became an in joke for that, and it's that sort of creativity and and um, madness
0: that is brilliant. You have know, you see, have you seen? Um, have you watched the Great McGonagall, the film he did in '74? Yes, I have. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I'll move on. <laughs> no,
1: um, uh, I, I have. Yeah, as Peter Sellers playing Queen Victoria, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I I could only, I have to say, I could, yes, I laugh at certain bits, but I could only watch, watch it from sidestepping almost, going, okay, yeah, I can see what's going on here. I can, um, I don't know, probably when I watched it at the time, perhaps that wasn't the right, I wasn't in the right mood. Yeah. yeah. I Not just I just wondered one of my favorites. I'm a more fan of bed sitting room. Oh That's, yes. Definitely. Oh yes. It's yes. Brilliant. brilliant. The, the, yeah.
0: the reason the reason I mentioned the Great McGonagall because it's filmed at all of it's filmed at inside Wilton's music hall. Yes. And it's obviously about a, a, a fictional life of the poet McGonagall. Yeah. Uh with as You say with Peter Sellers as Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria becoming a recurring motif with Milligan. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, especially in the Phantom
1: Raspberry Blower.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm wondering, I'm just, I'm just, it was it just occurred to me while I was doing research for this. Maybe instead of McGonagall, if you tried to do a film, full-length film of the Phantom Raspberry Blower, again from Wilton's, whether it whether it could be done, um, and whether it would have held together better.
1: Than, yeah, and, than McGonagall. and- you see, interestingly, I was talking to Norma uh, via email and we went to go and see a show at Wilton's and um, I didn't realise that Spike was one of the people in the 60s who campaigned to 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 keep it yeah. um, from being knocked down. So that was that was strange, because as soon as I walked in, I went, oh, my God, uh, this would be brilliant for the Phantom Rise of the of London Town without knowing all that so it's odd all that mm. was spike kept kept haunting me almost with with certain things one of the first times i wrote to norma funny enough i looked up from a telev- from the television cuz the television was on in the background and uh, i'd got um CBeebies on because my my daughter was very young at the time and and uh, she was glued to it and it was spike milligan's voice Narrating a children's story, and I thought this is odd. It keeps <laughs> keeps popping up. It keep, you know, it mm. was it was it was constant. But um, I, I found out, that, and now it, this may have been Norma that told me this, but Spike uh, had a fascination about the assassination attempts on Queen Victoria's life.
0: Okay, yeah. So that's where this. Whole, um uh, oh. you know, Queen Victoria thing keeps cropping up. Oh, because obviously in in Phantom Raspberry Blower, um, a lot of the plot pivots around them stopping him from getting access to the Queen and potentially yeah. doing doing harm to her. Uh, and in McGonagall, the Great McGonagall, I forget the, the 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 name of the assassin, the real life assassin, is played by John Bluthal, um, who attempts to assassinate the Queen, and McGonagall in the film foils his attempt. Yeah. Uh, so oh, that's interesting. That's a nice little sort of crossover there. So like you say, Milligan's got this interest in attempts on the the life of the Queen.
1: Yeah. And she there were several attempts on her life. So it was quite interesting. You get that little section in, in uh, Phantom the Mastery Blower.
2: Queen Victoria's reporting for duty, Home Secretary. <laughs> queen Victoria's standard is... <laughs> man, man... You are no doubt wondering, Henry, why you have been asked to dress like this. <coughs> Simply this, this. We have inside information John, that an attempt is to be made upon Her Majesty's parcel by the Phantom Raspberry Blower of Old London, etc., etc. Therefore, we have found it necessary to take certain steps. To repeat his purposes, up. <laughs> now, your duty is clear. You have all been chosen, Ozan, for your general facial resemblance to Her Majesty, the <laughs> <in Victoria>. uh... <laughs> You will all be given specific duties to perform. One of you will take up residence in Buckingham Palace. <laughs> another will drive in an open landau through Hyde Parker. we <laughs> we will he give a Suarez James' Carry, after and so on. In this way, we hope to decoy the miscreant into being overconfident. <laughs> Where will Her Majesty really be, sir? He will be playing the lead in Charlie's aunt at the Hippodrome.
0: <laughs> a common misconception, shall we say, is, and, it, and it's quite clear watching The Six Dates with Barker episode and then watching in full the two ronnie's serial mm-hmm. version um it's quite clear that on the six dates of barker uh, episode david jason is blowing the raspberries because he gets a credit at the end yeah uh, and likewise in the, the the two ronnie's it's spike because you can also you know, he gets a credit and also you can clearly hear him grunting and groaning a lot of the time <laughs> um prior to actually blowing a raspberry, uh, but. But for for a while, there was, I remember there were like newspaper reports when David Jason's autobiography came out about 10 years ago where he was uh, claiming that he'd blown the raspberries in the two Ronnies when clearly he hadn't. I think it must must have just been he got mixed up, really.
1: I think that's probably the case, yeah, Um, because I was always under the impression it was Spike uh for the two Ronnie's and then it got skewed because of that. And mm. of course, and and then maybe people um listening to your, you know, your podcast who who had forgotten or didn't know that there was a previous version of Phantom Rose. And I think that's the same with the general public. True. And with True. the press. So I think that's where you start building the myths upon that. Yes. You know, yes. Um, uh, and and it was always, it was always my intention, should this pan out to be bigger, the, st- the stage play, that indeed we do get Spike doing Raspberries. Um, not all of them, because some of them would have to be live, but especially towards the end um because again, I just sorry, I
0: was I was gonna say we're gonna summon him from the dead. Well possibly, possibly. Get get Michael Benteen on the job. <laughs> That's it. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice to lift
1: a, a raspberry for the for the one at the end or, or something, you know, just uh, to give to give him a credit.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So when you so when you came to, to writing the script, putting the script together for, mm. for the 2015 version, uh and you said you based i guess on the six dates with barker script and not the the two ronnies uh
1: no what i what i did so first of all i um by that time that i had the, the, the dvd the two ronnies came out i'd also got the the six dates so i sat and paused and wrote and then paused the uh the to version
0: right i see okay and then
1: i went to the six dates and i sat and had it on and went over so i was looking at the script that i'd written to see what was different what was better what worked um and what was my favorite names were different as well and sort of I thought right, okay, and that worked better because of the beats for that—that's that's quicker. Um, so that's. Oh, and then also, uh, what was added later was because I I looked up one of the scripts that Norma had. Um, I then took some photos of the things that I thought worked really well. And thought right, well, I can then type those out and insert them. Uh, and in fact, I've, through time-wise, I, I, there was some that I didn't. But then revisiting it for the, a different version, uh, then I, I have, and that meant that I pushed out the Barker stuff. And I got to a point, uh, uh, mentioning on the email, I knew which was which. Mm-hmm just because I'd seen some of the documents of Spikes, I'd also just seat myself in it so much that I could hear it and I could, there were goon goon gags that that were used again Uh, and I thought, right, okay, yeah, got that, that's so, and then I I stitched together some scenes and also um, flipped some scenes over for uh an interval just just to make it so that we got a a a dramatic point and then so it's the the iteration i've got now is Mm -hmm. spike plus spikes you know source material from elsewhere plus my stitching together and and having more of a a narrative and um
0: an end. Yeah. I, I yeah. No. Yeah. I, I know what you say. You can tell the spike lines because for example, we must act fast. Well, I'm acting as fast as I can. So yeah. that is a, Oh, it is. That that is an obvious spike line. Yeah. Um, whereas when it comes to trying to identify lines that Barker may have written, that's not quite as straightforward really.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and the whole, the whole scene with, um, the man in chains when they go into the shop it's alright Dick they've gone
2: if you don't calm down it'll be the chains again the chains and the rats do stand the rats stop it stop it will you stop it otherwise I'll be done for no one must know my awful secret no one must know that I'm harbouring the phantom raspberry blower of old London town nah
0: I mean, that's
1: just Barker. And that's too, I get it. it. he needs to fill out the the series, you know, the six episodes or whatever many episodes it was eight. during that run. Yeah. Was it yeah. eight episodes? Blimey. Yeah. 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 So I get it. I understand that. You know, and um there are gags in there that I go, yeah, I recognize that. That's that's Ronnie Barker. <laughs>
2: What makes you think you've got bad breath? People tell me. <laughs> well, why don't you believe them? <laughs> Look, I tell you what you've got to do. You've got to take a teaspoonful of horse manure every morning. Will that cure it? No, but it'll turn it down a bit.
0: <laughs> I guess there were. Few, there weren't that many thinking about it, but there's there's certainly a few scenes or images or uh stereotypes employed in both versions, both mm-hmm. TV versions that you probably needed to ditch, like the blackface that we get with the lady Barclay Hunt. Yes, fashion. that's right. Yeah, when her hair turns white and her face turns black. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you did you discreetly remove those, or what did you do with those?
1: Um, I. I, as they say, adapted them for a modern audience. Mm. So there is still a change. There is still a change in there, but no, there's there's no blackface. And interestingly, you say there's a gag right at the beginning, and um, it's a what? What did he look like? Uh, it was dark, oh, so he yes. had a dark face. Yes, and I I thought, okay, right, no. But then revisiting it, I thought, hang on, hang on a minute. If its said correctly, I I can't see that as as offen- I, I, as offensive as as the blackface. Oh no no, no and no. and there, so yes, there, there were some things that uh, went. Now be having a bit of Jewish heritage myself, I don't mind, Benjamin Disraeli, but I don't speak for everybody. I know it's different now I've got it I've I've got the gag said by a judge because strangely enough in one of the the non-transmitted versions there is a judge in it right. so there's more of a court thing rather than um the house of lords mm-hmm. so or the house of commons so there were things that I could see that he'd already done that had then been changed and I thought you know what that was a good idea so I've I'd put that back if you see what I mean God, it's, um, a, it's a
0: real it's a real you've lifted bits from here and bits from there and added bits and added bits from Q and written stuff of, of your own and it's it's like a, a patchwork quilt it, it is but it's a it's a spike quilt because mm.
1: I was the the trouble is and, and and we know this the the reason why a lot of spikes material isn't on me is because people do find it offensive now. Um, uh, you know with, with uh, either using blackface or um, you know, certain sexual images that that people mm-hmm. uh, don't want on their televisions anymore and and i I think it's a shame that um, because those are peppered within certain programs of spikes, that the whole of his canon, or the whole of a series doesn't you know you know it, 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 they just go right no spike so what i wanted to do was very much have well let's grab all the best of spike and bung it into a show that is funny but we get more laughs and then more spikes laughs and i'll stitch them together and make that more cohesive because some people just you know like, oh no he's too too outrageous for me you know just just by the sheer jumping from one thing to another personally I love it you know how do you get out of that and you just get out of it you just you know you just walk through another door that's you know that that is is great for me and and in fact that was good to to get out of certain situations you know a scene's finished and I just go well we just a bomb goes off and they're in the graveyard that's it that's how we get to that scene you know it's it, it was it was a joy to do that so I just wanted it to be a, a brilliant celebration of all the Milliganism that there is, and um, just to get people going, wow, this man was
0: the, the best of Milligan. ahead of his time. Yeah. Yeah. The, best yeah. of Mill, the best of Milligan is, is sublime and untouchable and uh, yes. peerless, really. Um, but, yeah, there, there's a lot that you have to wade through to, to get to that. The Goon Show, not so much. The Goon Show, oddly... Is, and I guess that's because they had the constraints of the times uh, oh, yeah. that that they that they had to abide by. That uh, the goon, the goon and also you know you've got such fantastic performers working with Spike on that. Um, but a lot of Spike solo stuff and later material, uh, yeah, did have some content that was uh, dubious at best, shall we say? Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. you know that's but but a lot of a lot of commit. Look at, look at a lot of Monty Python's Flying Circus. A lot yeah. of that. Every other week, they were talking about poofs on Monty Python's White Circus. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to ask you, um, yeah, because we must we must mention Dirk Maggs. Oh yeah, yeah. What did he bring to the party in terms of you know guidance and whatnot? A lot and stability. Now, interesting,
1: <laughs> uh, and this would probably make a different podcast. There was a lot going on as as there always is with productions. So it wasn't sailing smoothly before the the actual opening night. And we... um, Our original director died. Oh, no. Norma uh, said, right, okay," Um, And she was always dubious about it and protective and... um, she was great that she let us go ahead with it, but still kept an eye on it. And and there was a conversation going on with the producer that I wasn't I wasn't privy to. And um, she said, "Right, okay, if this goes ahead, uh, there's only one person I want to direct it, and that's Dirk Hanks." Right. Yeah. So we met Dirk, and we met him at uh, Waterloo train station, mm-hmm. and uh, the producer and myself. And we were chatting and I, I knew straight away that this is the guy. This is the guy for us. Um, I wasn't sure what the producer thought and, you know, who, who was I? I I wasn't the one who was, you know, there with the money. Um, But the producer then said before the end of the evening, yes, I think, you know, we want, you know, I'd like you to do it. And I thought, thank goodness, because. I couldn't, in all honesty, knowing Dirk's pedigree, I couldn't really see how this was going to work. At one point, the the producer said, "Well, I'll direct it." And I, said, I don't want you to, because you you haven't got the um, he hadn't got the the rhythm of it. He hadn't got the sensibilities of of the material, and sitting across the table. There was the man who had it mm. and I thought that's that's who we've got to have that's who we've got to get and I I got on really well with Dirk Um, and he gave he was always giving great advice and he would come up to me and he said Lee, okay I think this is a bit too long and we, I said right we'll cut it and I'm the sort of person who I don't want I'm not precious about Certain that like, oh that bit's mine. I think that works because um I've got somebody who's got the experience that Dirk has of saying, I think that's too long. Yeah, you're right, he's going, I'll cut it. So that was great. There was an honesty that I had um from Dirk. There was the the joy of somebody also having right, but well, that's the sound effects. That's yes, we've got to that that plays a part, that's live, that's that's happening. To have him there um, for me was like a breath of fresh air. I have to say, I probably haven't told him as much as this, but if he's listening, Dirk, thank you. I could, I cannot thank him enough for doing what he did. Mm. Um, So yes, I was, I was pleased to have Dirk on board. I'm not sure uh, whether the producer in the end, because it became very much a a cast and Dirk and the producer.
0: Um, <laughs> okay, but well, that's how it goes, yeah. that's how it goes, you know. Well, uh, he's, he's never not worked. He's been in constant demand since, God knows, since the eighties and uh, and that's yeah. a, that is a sure indication of someone who's both, you know, a reliable, inventive and supportive director and producer. And I don't think,
1: if I'm honest, I think he's he's out there on his own. I don't really think there's there's many people that if anybody that comes up the same and is mm. as respected mm. as that. Um, you know, we're very lucky to have him. Very lucky. Uh, yeah. And what was what was beautiful as well was that uh, John Chalice, who was one of our phantoms, he he um, he knew Dirk, so that was that was nice.
0: So, that, uh, well, that yeah, worked well, I was asking about that. I was going to ask you about that. So, John Chalice, obviously Boise from Only mm. Fools, uh, and I believe John Coleshaw and Danny Baker, yeah, uh, were the three. So, each each had a different night that they were the the Phantom. I yes, is that right? So, were they off stage actually blowing the raspberries?
1: Uh, were they blowing the raspberries? Let me think about that. Were they, uh, no, half and half?
0: All oh, right. Okay. Half and half,
1: yeah. Um, just of the way it was, but they were off stage, um, until towards the end. So there was the reveal. Now, my idea for Celebrity Guest Phantom came from the play What I Wrote. Hmm. Now, that was, I don't know if you remember, that was in the West End, and yeah, it was, but yeah, and they had you know, celebrity. Uh, guest each week or every two weeks and I remember when I was talking to Norma she was asking about um, names and stuff I said well my idea is to have a name as the phantom which she loved she she thought right okay I get that and so we got John Corshaw was the first one that we managed to get in fact we wanted, uh, uh, one of them, Ronnie Corbett. What we didn't know was Ronnie was really ill. Mm. Um, so it was the start of, you know, um, I suppose it was three years before he died. But that that was, so we reached out to him first. Um, and John calls brilliantly when he, when he came on stage as the Phantom, he did him as Ronnie Corbett, which was hilarious. Um
0: sitting in a big chair. But not talking, quite. Talking not about quite, the producer's but, cocktail party.
1: <laughs> but he did have a velvet jacket on, so that was quite nice. Ah. Uh yeah, the red velvet. So um so that 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 was a, a a nice little tribute. Um so John was the first one we got, and I approached him in the pub. And said, "Look, this is what we're doing because we've just seen Dead Ringers." And uh, he went, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." So that was that was the first. John Chalice, I was following um, him on Twitter. I made a comment, and he said something about the goons. And I said, "If you like the goons, I said uh, follow me, and I'll DM you." So then I I asked him. Um, I said. Uh, this is what we're doing would you be one of the phantoms yes was the answer he said i'm a huge Doom fan this mean the world to me was What's that effect this was um when we had our original director or he just died uh, or I, I told him a day or so later and he said oh how unfortunate um let me know if anything changes, and then I said we've got Dirt Mags. I know Dirt, right? I'll contact Dirt. So that was great. So we got we got John Chalice and then Danny Baker was a friend of David Boyle, who um, who played the the inspector, and David has done Peter Sellers stuff. <laughs>
0: Um, so the play in, in 2015, so you had three nights, yeah? Yeah. Um, so why so short? Why such a short run?
1: Um, a couple of things contributed to that. Um, we were booked to do a, a mini tour. I believe, if memory serves, we were optioned via uh, Norma and Spike Milligan Reductions to do 12 further dates. Um, I wasn't privy to the fact that it was 12. Um, I thought that as the bookings were were coming in, then we would, or t- it was either 12 dates or 12 weeks. Right. But it was a trial. Um, and that was something that, um, that was... Sp- because I was just the writer and the actor, that was something spoken between Norma and the producer. We had got dates booked. Uh, John Chalice certainly was up for doing part of the tour because we were near where he lived. So that would have been great. That, that would have been superb. Um, then our co-producer decided to pull it. And the theatres were told and the... Um, the reason the co producer uh, pulled it is because he didn't get it, is right. what we were told. Right. It could have gone on. But I think, first of all, it was a trial. And as, as I said earlier, you know, Norma was very protective. I got on well with Norma. I really liked her. And in fact, I, you know, um, after some distance, I contacted her again. And just before her death, it was she read the script and one of the last emails i've got was she was really pleased with the treatment of the the new version um which meant a lot because it was yeah yeah it was stamp of approval she worked so closely with spike um you know their 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 friendship was a friendship not just agent and client oh yes She,
0: she she was uh She was more than an agent to spite, really, wasn't she? Oh yeah, yeah. Sense of the word, she was. She was a formidable woman. She was. I used to
1: quake when I used to see the emails. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but you know, as I said, you know, she was. She uh, several times, you know, she said, "Oh, we're singing from the same page," and you know, it was great. So, the the last email I've got from her is a superb email, which you know. Okay. She just endorsed the whole thing, so unfortunately, that's why it didn't go on, and um, it's a shame because I actually think it would have it 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 fills a, a need for a certain a certain uh, age of people who just think yeah we just want good old fashioned comedy. I I think that we just need a little bit of silly humour with a bit of play on words, uh, farcical situations, and that spike, mm. it just tickles a funny bone that people didn't know they had. And just a be a bit, you know, to go with the silliness and let that wash over you. I mean, he's a. It, we loved it as children. You know, we loved all that sort of. Him, and I, I think we sort of stop ourselves sometimes as adults, but Spike never did. And we need more of that. And that's you know that's up, that's why I want. I also think it, it's a very clever concept. The Phantom rifle below London Town. It's a silly concept. It's, it's tapping into um, the the comedy horror that you know we used to see. Uh, and horror takes itself far too seriously now. And mm. it also taps into that Victorian melodrama. Mm. So it's got everything. It mm. really has. And you know, in a in a in a in the right theatre um, with, you know, it's quite atmospheric, especially old Victorian theatres that we have in this country. Um, it's, it's got a place. It really has. So, yeah, I would. That's my mission. Okay,
0: that's, well, nice. that's I, yeah, all the very best with that and, and keep us posted Thank in you. terms of how that oh, is, is going and I'd like to pick up again with you um at some point next year and see how that's going and, and maybe by that point you know you'll be uh, you'll be due to announce a, a slew of dates yes <laughs> um, that'd be great and we can we great. can and we can uh, we can talk about that and promote that um yeah, so leah le- le- le, uh, it's been fantastic speaking with you um just listeners won't know this but uh, this was literally arranged this morning it th- was th- 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 this <laughs> conversation you you were not aware of me this time last night were you no nope. um so yeah but this this is you know I'm, I'm really grateful for you taking uh time out to speak to me and uh and uh we will definitely speak again Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed
1: it. So um, I hope we've not bored too many people to death, but uh, I've, I've enjoyed
0: it. So. Thanks again to Lee. Uh, I will be back next week with, an, in fact, I will be back before next week. I will, I will be back on New Year's Eve with a special show. It is a special countdown of GoonPod listeners, top 20 goon shows as chosen by you. And I will be joined in this undertaking by friends of the show and um, previous guests, Mike Haskins and Sean Gaffney. And we'll be running down the list from from number 20 to number one uh, with all sorts of interesting, fun stuff to talk about. Uh, So please look out for that. As I say, that will be dropping on New Year's Eve, which is Saturday. So in the meantime, take care of yourselves. Enjoy what is left of the festive season. And I look forward to being back in your ears very, very soon.